Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. My name is Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we have a road trip with the panda. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Still open to uh, viewers' <laughs> inputs or um, examples of another one, but this will do. <laughs> How much joy it brings you. <laughs> well, it's a simple jingle. It's simple. It's great. It's okay. great. It's great for the soul. Last week, we talked about the poisonous gardens of Alnwick, England. And tonight, for our road trip, we're going to stay in England and discuss the Moor murders. And driving us on this road trip is the panda, Panda Mike. Panda Mike. And ammonium mic. Yeah. All right. All right. <sighs> yeah. So we're going to go to England today. Can't really drive there, but <laughs> from where we're at, but we could try, right? <laughs> we can take a f- car ferry. Right, car ferry. So we're going to England. We're going to go backwards in time, out to the 1960s. We're actually, we're going to go further, start to the 1930s, where one of the two uh, culprits of this. So this is another of your couple's murders here. So. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, we we were doing killing couples. Yes. Yeah, you know. You know. Almost been. Almost made it to February. I'm a little late, but you know. Still. So we'll start off with one of the uh, these these uh, these people. Oh yeah. For the record, you said this is a simple one. Oh, it's just it's just killings. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, cool. I'll just look into this. And then like, there's there's just, for me it was like a lot. It was just learning to take it all in of like there's a lot you can take approach to this and how much you can see this in like, you know, especially in media and movies today. Okay. Like so we'll talk a little bit more afterwards. But yeah. I kinda felt that way, but I mean with the um William Hare and Burke, Terror and Burke um, but they did legit have eighteen victims that we know of. Right. And you're right. And we didn't talk about every victim. We talked about like, you know, the the highlights. Right, the the big ones. And uh as we progressed, you know, I could talk about all the victims of this one. So I mean it's not gonna go as long as eighteen, but right. still each one is its own kind of thing of like own story in itself. To a point. But okay. the story itself is the people who do it and it's just kinda like it's just like it's almost like a stereotypical how you would see it happening kind of thing. Okay. In my opinion, I mean, you. I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you what happens. We'll get into what it. I what I saw in research and kind of saw, and then you kind of diverge your own thing. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's kind of like, all right. All right. So we'll start off with uh, the first murderer. His name is Ian Brady, or sorry, he was Ian Stewart at first. He was born January second, nineteen thirty-eight. He was born with a single mom. His alleged father was 
killed or, or died before he was born. About four months into his life, he was given up to adoption, but he was given to a well wealthy family to a point. Uh, they were really called the Sloan family, and they already had four kids of their own, so they already knew how to you know raise. So they took him in, but the the mom was still around. The mom stayed around. The birth mom stayed around. The Sloan family so so, stayed in his life, right? So, but he took on Ian Sloan. So he was Ian Sloan for a while, and he grew up them for the majority. He actually was introduced to the great outdoors to him, so that's kind of his beginning of loving outdoors and uh, and exper- you know, going out for nature and so love like for animals and stuff. And yeah, so he so in England they have a lot of what's called moors, so it's not necessarily like a forest. It's like a flatland covered in moss and. Right. So that's one of his kind of his things. Okay. And there's a national park of one of the moors and stuff. They have their individual flora fauna. Right. It's their own little thing of how they see their national parks. Whatever. Right. Not dissident or nothing, but that's just <laughs> their definition of their thing. And the moor is a lot different. I don't think we really have a moor in the United States. I think it has something to do with like their climate, their weather. Right. It's so. Because they're, they're on an island, basically. Right. So either way. Uh, she stayed, so the birth mom stays around his life until about 12, and then she kind of just falls off. He actually goes into a little academy for himself that's over above IQ kids, around 15. Uh, the academy is called the Shawlands Academy. But unfortunately, when he turns about 15, he actually, he just really starts to kind of downgrade, kind of bit. So he downgrade. starts getting, yeah, so he starts becoming a little bit of juvenile. Uh, well, delinquent. Right, delinquent and then just causing problems, breaking things, breaking and entering, and just little things. Was it a response to mom disappearing? <laughs> I mean, that's where, that's where this all started could begins. It's like, you know, he's already off to a rough start, doesn't know his actual father, and he, you know, he knows, he, at some point he figures out that the, this woman who keeps visiting him, which is his birth mom, right. it never specifies when he realizes that's his birth mom or if she just comes out and says it or what. But he doesn't live with her. She's, you know, doing her own thing, but still visiting him while he's living with this other family who's who's so far treating him well. And he's at this academy, so it's but it's also like, okay, so he's kind of got this mental problem already. Or you would think, like a mental nick kind of a thing, you know? I saw I see it as. So either way. Okay. Either way, either way, either way. All right. So after he gets out of the academy, he kind of just drops out. And he constantly just switch, switches jobs, and he's super young still, so he's swapping jobs. Little, it's nothing big like a like a, there's like he's like a butcher errand boy, some other manual labor stuff. But with all this, he already has he even meets a girlfriend. But that like abruptly ends because he holds a knife to her because he finds out that she goes to a dance with another boy, and like threatens to kill her. That <laughs> like straight off the bat. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His initial response is to pull a knife on her okay. and say, you know. So he's got some problems. Right. He's got some, he's, this is really, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so due to the, those kind of attitude problems he's got going on, you know, he's forced, at 17, he's forced to go live with his birth mom now. So he's back with his mom, who's now newly married, to Mr. Uh, Mr. Patrick, and they live in Manchester. So he actually, you know, kind of, kind of likes his new stepdad. He even takes his last name, Patrick's, now it's Ian Patrick. So he goes from Ian Stewart to Ian Sloan to Ian Patrick. And they kind of get lucky. He even gets him a job as a fruit vendor. Or, like, he runs a fruit vendor, so he helps him out with that. Right. So, and then he actually gets in trouble by trying to steal, like, lead. Like, so, I mean, I'm not sure what kind of lead it is. It literally says lead. So it's a lot of lead. So it must be worth value in the 1960s at this point. Okay. Or not 60s, I'm sorry. He's not sure who steals lead, but okay. 
Right. So he gets caught, and then he gets in trouble again, and then so he actually gets stay, sent to like a, a type of like a prison. It's like he's still a juvenile, so it's not like prison. Prison. It it, it eventually is a prison. Prison. It's called the Strange Ways. I looked it up. It's like an actual prison. Prison. Like there's been riots and everything else. And okay, so so get, he's sent there. How old is he at this point? Seventeen. Okay. And then at eighteen, he actually gets out, and he actually sent to a uh, it's called a barstool, which is like a juvenile reform center, basically. Oh, okay. So he sent there for training. Is what they called it. Okay. Yeah, so he goes there, uh, and then he gets out, and then he comes back out, and he starts doing even more laborious jobs, and he gets tired of it. So he ends up actually, he's still with his mom, and he actually studies. He gets a, he studies and studies and studies, and actually gets a job at a chemical distributing company. It's called Millwards. And part of his studies, though, you know, studies help him get his job, and the parents are even saying, oh, they're kind of astounded that he did this and really focused on it and got himself a good job. But one of his studies was uh, a lot of Nazi studies. Ew. Yeah, the goddamn Nazis. Goddamn Nazi. What year is this? 1960? Yeah, so it's already after World War II. It's a little before 1960 because he's not 20 or something yet. Okay, so he's getting a little bit of racist attitude here. Right. He's he's reading to a lot of white supremacy, Aryan, Nazi, Third Reich. Was everything. he introduced he, to this crap in, in the prison? or He might. He might have been introduced to it. Okay. But he, I mean, he really got heavily studied into it. And uh, he even okay. read, uh, what's the Hitler book, Mein Kampf? Mein Kampf? Mein Kampf? Either way, you know, he's kind of indulged in it. And then, but his coworkers, you know, say he's, he just kind of keeps to himself. He's not really like a bad influence on nobody, but they're just kind of, you know, it was kind of weary still, you know, he's kind of short tempered. Right. But the coworkers don't really complain about him, but. They just, he puts them off, sounds like. Right. Okay. So, but the reason why the couple, the McCubbicle factor kicks into play is that that's where he meets his significant other. Her name is Myra. Her name is Myra. Myra Hindley. Hindley. She was born on July 23rd, 1942, in Manchester. Both her parents were around, but they weren't very rich or very middle class. They were pretty down and out. Poor. Yeah. Her father kind of raised her to be uh, a tough, a tough nut, basically. No lollygagging, you know, stand up for yourself. Right. Fist first, questions later. Because he was in World War Two, and he was like a parachuter, and he fought in Italy. And he was taking out the goddamn Nazis. Yeah, he was the, he was the guy. Okay. He was the guy. Um, Like, he like to a point, though, like, it was pretty bad because, like, there's one instance where an eight, uh, she was about eight years old, and a kid bullied her and actually scratched her cheek or something and, like, drew blood and stuff. And she ran home to the dad. The dad's like, forget that. You don't go fight that kid. I'm gonna beat you with the, some leather. So, so she and she she's like, okay, well, forget that. I'm gonna go beat the shit out of this kid. So she does it. She goes to beat the shit out of him. Uh huh. Establishing boundaries. Well, yeah. So I mean, it wasn't really like a bad thing, but like, there's a way to approach it. You know, there's not a you don't have to take that route. So I'm gonna beat you if you don't beat that kid now. This is true. From that point on, she's she's pretty she's pretty strong headed. She kind of thinks she's up dog. You know. Right. Top dog? Okay. Top dog. Okay. Up dog. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. But I mean, that's another strike to me in the mental note. And then there's even a time where she actually befriends somebody that I think she she actually stands up for. And they actually become best friends as a boy. And he invites her to go swimming one time. But she's like, oh, no, I'm going to go with these people. Okay, cool, whatever. And he actually ends up drowning. Oh. And with her being a strong swimmer, she kind of went with him and actually probably saved his life. Or, yeah. So that kind of, you know, 
mess with her. Yeah, a little bit. bit. So she's thinking to herself, that's that's on me. I should have went, whatever. But, you know, it's not really her fault. Everyone knows not her fault. But at this time, there's no, like. It's like survivor's guilt, basically. Right. And there's no real therapy. There's no real any of this. Not like they can afford it anyways. Right. So she just kind of pushes through it and whatever. She actually gets involved with the church quite a bit. She actually becomes very devoted and really gets into it. Um, but still, you know, still she, she still thinks she's the shit still. Right. Everything else. But she's, you know, she's heavily devoted to it. She's actually, she got baptized and everything. She just, she just kind of got really involved with it. Are so we talking she, Catholic or Protestant? Catholic. Okay. And um, as she as she ages, she still, she still thinks she's the shit. She's still getting better. And she's actually kind of liked. She's actually well liked. There's even a time where she was working as a typist for another company. Uh, or not even a company, or not type of, sorry, she was like a, a assistant, so secretary, she was running errands or whatever. They couldn't give her her paycheck or something to the extent where she didn't get paid, so all her friends actually pitched in part of their paychecks to pay her paycheck. Mm-hmm. So it was actually, she's well-liked. She's not like a bad person. She's still kind of whatever. Um, so she's well-liked, and then she even takes up judo, out of all things. I didn't know this was a thing people did, but she took up judo. Or that it was available in England. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. That's so. That's why I was like, "There's no way it's real," but it's real. Like she, she straight up got into it. She was really good at it, probably because her father taught her some moves, and she was very physical. But another thing about it too was a lot of people. She had problems finding people to spar with her, fight with her, or whatever, because she would never really stop. Oh, so she was. She went. So she, she was going all in. Right. So, okay. you know, you know, when we were taught things, you know, we say pain, pain, pain or something like that to stop. <laughs> you mean a safe word? Yeah, that was a safe word. word. Yeah, pain, pain, pain. <laughs> but you know, they're saying pain, pain, pain. She's like, I'm giving it, I'm giving it, you know. <laughs> so but needless to say, she wasn't a bad person. She's just doing her thing. She's young now, she's about eighteen, and then she gets a typist job at the same chemical factory as your Mr. Ian Brady. Or, yeah, this time, he has Ian Brady at this point. Because he's given up all the other surnames, he's now Brady. Where did he get Brady from? He just decided, maybe Brady is more of an Aryan name okay. than Patrick. Maybe he gave himself his own name. Prison does that to you, I guess, at okay. 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so either way, when she gets to the chemical factory, she's instantly in love with this guy. With Mr. Brady. Okay. Myra loves Brady. Okay. Jody loves Chachi. Okay. <laughs> like, she's obsessed with him to a point where there's a counselor stalking. She's, she dates other guys to try to get him jealous. She has, even has diaries of entries about him. Like, everything. She's obsessed with him. I mean, she's 18. He's about 20-something. So he's in early so 20s. So if he had Facebook, she'd be stalking that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was pretty obsessed with him. And after after a while, he actually ended up kind of giving in. And then said, all right, let's go out. So she pursued him then. Correct. Okay. He, he didn't have much interest in her, but he's, he's like, all right, cool, whatever. Let's see where this goes. Well, right off the bat, I mean, it's just weird. So she's still obsessed with him and stuff. And so, like, he, he, you know, he's this, this guy, <laughs> this, this Nazi guy now, basically. And just right off the bat, they start, she starts changing both mentally and physically, like, so when they would go out and have the the sex. The you know, sex? Yeah, so he introduced, you know, like, BDSM into her, aggressive, you know, aggressiveness in the bedroom. And she wasn't, you know, she's not like that. But uh-huh. she's like, you know, oh, he's, but he's so good to me or whatever. 
uh-huh. this guy's so great. I need just just tough it out and get it with it. So she, I guess she got over it. And yeah, she. I mean, <laughs> so he's. Uh, but he. But the way it looks like is he's testing her. He's 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 pushing her limits to see you know how far she's willing to go for him. Right. Okay. Right. So and then she starts. That's not the best kind of test, but okay. Oh right. So allegedly they would go to X-rated movies and go watch them, and then come back and drink German wine because. The German wine is the best wine, and so that's what leads to them going to the to libraries and reading him, showing her the Nazi, you know, transcripts and books and everything else about Nazis, uh, white supremacy. So right, and so they start comparing notes while on lunch breaks on at, at work. So their coworkers are now being a little bit more okay. We're good. They kind of get off place with them, you know, not really right. So they they're seeing putting this, people off now because this is not. Right, they're seeing this all unfold. They literally unfold. just had a whole world war getting rid of these fucking people. Correct. Okay. It's, it's been less than 40 years at this less than 20 years at this point. Not even 10 or 15. Oh, yeah, 15. it's pretty close. It was yeah, pretty okay. close. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, either way. Yeah, it's close. Either way. So, okay. I mean, it's it's not a normal thing. She even dyes her hair blonde. She bleaches it, make it blonde, and she starts wearing crimson red lipstick to you know, really solidify the Aryan girl that she wants to be for him. Okay. I mean, that's well. a nine for Vina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just all starts adding up. It's like, oh my gosh. And then, like, so, like, she starts writing letters to, like, her friends about him and, like, describing how wonderful he is and everything else. But, you know, one letter, she even states that she was drugged by him. Like, straight up admits he drugged her. And then whatever they did is whatever they did. And then, but she's she asked the friend to get rid of the letter because she didn't want that to come back and hurt him. So she's telling people <laughs> the shitty things that he's doing to her, and she's okay with it. I mean, to even I, I don't know, okay. I don't know. And then, like, even in the future, you know, there's an interview they have with her, and she even states, quote for quote, within months he had convinced me there was no God. He could. He told. He had told me the Earth was flat. The moon was made of green cheese, and the sun rose in the west. And I would have believed them, such was his power of persuasion. Jesus Christ. Right. It's fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, so that's all happening, and they just doing whatever. Oh, I'm sorry, for I forgot to mention that she has a sister. She has a sister, Maureen. So when Maureen is born, because the family is so poor, they actually have to kick uh her out to send her to her grandmother's. I forgot about that part. Oh my god! So she's living with her grand, but the grandmother lives like right down the street, so she's okay. still able to see her family. I can't believe I forgot that part. Okay. Yes, she lives with her grandmother throughout this whole process. All right. Okay. So and then sorry, back to the couple part to to top it all off. Before the the things start kicking off, they start reading. Uh, they he starts testing her more. They start talking about bank robberies. And she, like, illegally gets guns from him. So she goes, like, gun clubs and tries to, you know, swoo the guy to give him the guns and stuff. What she does, she ends up finding weapons and bringing them back to him. And they plan out the robberies and stuff. But it's to, to me, it's all a test to see how much further is she going to go. Because now he starts getting, you know, even more into it, into it. So they, they never rob any banks. Okay. They never rob anything. But they always plan on doing this. So they, they get the, the items and stuff they need to go rob a bank and stuff. But she does most of the work, so. Oh well, that's generous of him. Right. Okay. But he's doing one planning at all, seeing how far she's gonna do it. So it's kind of like, well, okay. 
And then to top it off, now they start reading books about how to about murders and torture and how to commit the perfect crime and okay. other various so things. So basically, he's setting her up to doing what he maybe has in his mind uh, an itinerary or a plan. Right. So to me, it's just like he keeps feeding her something to see if she'll eat it. Okay. You, just because I made it, are you going to do this? Right. Are you, you going to do this? Because I said so. Okay. And she's doing it. So 1963 comes around, and he tells her, he straight up tells her, I want to commit the perfect murder. Murder? Murder. Murder. Perfect okay. murder. And she's on board. Just so, like that. Just like that. What a dumb shit. Right. Okay. So, in that same year, 1963, the, the, they, they create a plan. So, she drives a, a, a minivan to a point. Yeah, really weird. Minivan in 1953? 63. 63? Yeah. They had station wagons. I don't know about minivan. That's a type of car. I'm telling you. Okay. People are great. Okay. Either way, and then he will ri- ride his motorcycle. So he has a motorcycle. He's a big enthusiast of motorcycles. Okay. So they wait till nighttime, and the idea is when he sees the victim walking down the street of Manchester... He will flash his light and signify this is the person we're gonna kill, <laughs> and then she will proceed to go up to that person and bring him in the van, and then they do whatever. Okay. So that so the night they go is they f- they go and he flashes he sees somebody walking down the street and he flashes his light and then she just keep she sees the the person and she just keeps on going. She says fuck that, <laughs> I ain't doing it. Okay. Well, so he's pissed. Now he's like, you said we're going to do this. Does she panic or does she grow conscious? She sees who the person is. And it's like a little eight-year-old girl who is their neighbor. So where they live, they're not isolated. They're they're all kind of put together. Okay. So she sees the neighbor's kid. And she's like, nah, we're going to do this. Not to the neighbor girl. Because, you know, things can go wrong. You know, that's literally our next door neighbor. So, he's like, all right, all right, whatever. I'll let that one go. Okay. So, they go back to the positions or whatever, and then he sees another person. So, her name is Pauline Reed. She's 12 years old. Why are all these kids out at night? Because she was going to go to a, a disco, as they call it. <laughs> disco. Yeah. The 12-year-old? Yeah, the 12-year-old. So what she, about the 8-year-old? Right, so she sneaks out. She's, they, I don't know what the hell the 8-year-old's doing. Nobody okay. That. The 12-year-old sneaks out. Allegedly sneaks out because what the story was behind it was her friends, you know, and her were gonna go to the disco, the party, and party. But apparently, the friends' parents found out there was gonna be booze there, and they told them you can't go anymore. But Miss Reed decided, I'm gonna find a way, anyways. Okay. So she well, tells maybe them, she didn't even know her friends were. Well, she knew, but she's like, I'm gonna go to the party anyways. So then the friends are like, Oh God, she's so cool. We're gonna be brave like her. So we'll escape too. So she they sneak out to go to the party. But Polly doesn't know that they're going to be there. So they're waiting there to surprise her or whatever. Like, oh, we sneak okay. out too, just like you. Peace we're so cool, bro. Yeah. So Either this, way. this is why you don't sneak out at a 12-year-old. Right. Okay. So she's walking, and then so, you know, he flashes a flash, her, his motorcycle headlight, and he drives on by, and then the van comes up, and she sees who it is. She actually knows her too. It's her sisters, who's now the same age as Pauline, because at this point, the age, she had a sister, her younger sister. It's her younger sister's friend. 
And so Pauline, the the victim, knows Myra as well. Right. Because they're, they're her sister. Right. So she's so Myra asks, hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the dance. Do you want to ride? Okay. Yeah. <sighs> right. So she gets in the car, and then they're driving, and then Myra just goes, oh, I just remembered I'm supposed to go to uh, the Saddleworth Moor. Right. And it must be really close. I, I honestly didn't look at the distance, how far this is, but it's got to be pretty close if, because she says that. She's like, I lost my, my gloves. They're really expensive. I really need to go find them. Will you help me find them? And she really doesn't have much of control of the situation. Now she's in a car, and she already kind of trusts her. She's like, all right, I'll help you out because you help me out. So, right. they, so they go to the moor to a designated spot where they, you know, they could park or whatever. <clears throat> so she parks her minivan, and uh, 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 Brady pulls up with his motorcycle, and, he, and she explains to Pauline that, you know, oh, that's my boyfriend. He's here to help me, too. I forgot to tell you he's going to be here. Um I'm going to double check around here where they park. Why don't you guys go over there? So she goes with Brady, me and Brady, uh, to about 30 minutes into the to the moor. And, uh, yeah. So. He kills her. Right. So but so Myra's at the starting spot where they park the cars. Mm-hmm. And so he she sees Brady come back alone this time. And he's like, hey, come with me. I want to show you where, where it's at. And then, so she goes over there, and the clothes are, you know, her clothes are tattered and ragged, you know, looks like they've been forced and ripped, and then her throat's, like, hella slit, like, is bad. But she's not dead. She's oh dying God. still. And so they're both looking at the body. He's like, I, I just wanted to show you, and I'm going to go get the shovel. <laughs> so, and then, so he, uh, he sexually assaulted her and then slit her throat from behind. What a fucking piece of shit. Right. So, yeah, she didn't make it. <laughs> so, now that the fact that her friends are not at the party, they don't see her show up, and at a certain time, they finally freak out, and so they tell her, they tell the parents, like, hey, she was supposed to be here, she didn't show up. So, as, after Brady and Myra are done take the, digging the body, or sorry, burying the body, they're driving back to their house, and they actually see the brother and the mother driving around town looking for Pauline. Right. So, that's the first victim that Jesus was to come. Christ. Right. The perfect crime. Well. Well, it's not perfect, but there's no, there's no, like, evidence or nothing. And so, I mean, the police go searching for body, but nothing. They go searching for anything, nothing. But, as bald as these people were, they, their next killing is the same year. November. Okay. So in November of 63, the kid's name was John Kil- Kilbride. He's 12 years old. So he's working at a, like a market area. Mm-hmm. So what he do he would do is he would just help them put the, the markets away or help them clean up or do whatever just to make some penny money, just some extra change, money for his pocket. He's only 12 years old. He can't right. get like a real job. So he's doing whatever, and then he actually sees Myra putting crates into her minivan, into her, her vehicle, and then she says, hey, well, hey, can you help me? And he's like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I'll help you, whatever. And then so she, he helps her and whatever. And she's like, well, let me give you a ride home because you helped me. So thank you for helping me. I'll give you a ride home and I'll pay you. So he's like, all right, cool. So he gets in the van with this woman and they're driving. She does the same thing again, the glove thing. She's like, oh, shit, I left my gloves at the moor. 
he, if I go, let's go stop by there real quick and help me find it real quick. Same fucking thing. And this is a boy, a little boy. Sorry, just uh, really I mean, yeah, John. Yeah. So I mean, just for reference, you know, you never right. know anymore. But he's twelve. So the same thing happens. Same glove trick. He takes her, and then they go down together. Him and Ian Brady go down the path. Go down the path, and path he and he rapes and strangles this one. Oh my god! Yeah. So his lust doesn't stop for just little girls either. Apparently. Right. So he straight up, you know, does his thing and strangles him, and Myra actually brings her little dog along. Like it's a fucking picnic. Yeah. Straight up. What a piece of. And murders this kid. I mean, I mean, I when I'm looking at the research, the picture of these these kids, they're not like. <laughs> they got smiles. It's rough, man. It's they're, they grill a little shallow grave for him too. But this time, you know, uh, the couple's actually taken up photography as being a couple, so they do a lot of explicit photos of themselves, videos, stuff like that. It's really weird. But this time, they uh, she poses with her dog on the little shallow grave, smiling or whatever. Oh my god, what a! But the more degenerate. in the background, yeah. So yeah, so that's the thing. All right. So remember these things was about Myra, okay? Yeah. Yeah, she's she needs she's, a fucking fry along yeah. with him. So either way, uh, skip forward a year. So it's June of nineteen sixty four. Okay. Keith Bennett, just this little kid wearing spectacles. He's got a big old smile. It's rough, man. And he's just walking to grandma's house, man. And this time they God damn. And they just they offer she offers him a ride. You know, Miss Myra. Hey, you want to ride to Grandma's house? Sure. Like a big bad fucking wolf. And once again, the same old glove trick. Yeah, strangled and raped. Uh-huh. And nobody's <laughs> finding these bodies. No, so they're they're still missing. They're still searching. They're search parties, but you know, the police sometimes don't have. They they, they 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 get they get they get the people of the town to to volunteer their time to help with because the families show up too to help search. So it's literally like a man search. Through the moor. So they, they're all assuming it's at the moor because the moor is the biggest place to be, but right, they people. have no leads. They have no clue who could be doing it. Okay, so that's victim number three, unfortunate child. Right. We okay. have Pauline Reed, John Kilbride, and Keith Bennett. Two 12-year-olds and a... 10-year-old. Oh, they're all 12-year-olds. They're all 12 years old. Okay. All children. Same year, another girl named Patricia Hodges. She's 11 years old. She's the neighbor's daughters. Now they're getting, they invite her over to the house, right? So they already had the bloodlust, and his bloodlust is getting even more. He wants more. She's like, whatever, yeah, you're so cool. Myra is. So Patricia actually comes over to their house, and she actually befriends them. So, but like, they invite her over, and they give her her wine and other drinks and stuff to hang out with them. Mm hmm. And they just befriend this little girl, this little eleven year old. They take pictures of her, like not explicit, but like just normal pictures of her, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, pose for us or whatever. And there's pictures of her when you look her up and stuff, just just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And like they even take, they even the parents even allow her to go with them to the moor. So they drive together to the moor, mm-hmm. where the bodies are buried, and they will walk the moor. Like these people are sick enough to walk with this dot, this dot, not their daughter. They're this this eleven year old, this poor girl, right, right next to the shallow graves where they are, and they're just getting off on this. 
Because they keep doing it. They keep inviting her over, doing it, hanging out, talking. They, there's even a point where they, they have her read a news article about uh, John Kilbride, about him still being missing. Right. So they actually record her with an audio device of her reading it out loud. They're basically getting off on reliving the murders. Reliving the murders and the fact that they... Sh- they're this this chick has no idea that they they, they could be murderers. Right, but they're, it sounds like they're almost priming her. Right. So, so in interviews and stuff, they were talking about killing her, but they ultimately decided not to. But there's even a point where they were they were thinking really thinking about doing it because they they take her her parents give her permission to go off with them to the moor and spend the night. Yeah. <laughs> spend the night with these psychos. I, At the more. I don't know why parents think that eleven year olds should be hanging out with twenty year olds. That's not acceptable. Well, the the problem is is that their neighbors, you know, trust thy neighbor. I guess, yeah. You know, and you know they know Maybe that they did that in nineteen sixty one. Well, right. Everyone's a little bit more friendly. You were able to go out and you know, you're always taught safer. You're always taught not the strangers the stranger rule is not to go with a guy. If you see a man ask you to do something, but if you see a woman Especially you know, a white blonde woman. Well, what are you gonna do? Tell them no. She's a fake blonde. Well, yeah, she's not real. She's Nazi blonde, but still. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like a way for them to tease at their accomplishments that you know. Whatever. So they don't kill her. They don't. Okay. She actually makes it. All right. I wonder, did they ever anybody ever go back and ask her or? Well, yeah, she states that she had no idea. And then later on, when uh, news she, broke, how close she came to right. Okay, so we should remember that because there's another movie. There's like a show I want to talk about that revolves that kind of. So either way, uh, so who was that? Patricia Hodges. So then we go to Leslie Downey. This is the youngest victim. Mm. This is the worst one, in my opinion. She's ten years old. Uh, so September of 1964, she's at a fair that they're having in Manchester, and she's with all her friends and stuff. But all, and she actually lives like super close by the fair, so it's not really like a far walk for her or whatever. It's right. not need to really be concerned. Shouldn't be concerned about it because like you know where we live, I can walk to the fair from where we're at right now. Right. So either way, um, so she, her friends actually leave, and she's by herself, and she's seen by plenty of people, but she actually sees uh Myra packing up the car with groceries or boxes, and she's struggling. Putting it in there, so she says, "Hey, can you?" The, the little girl kind of wanders over and helps them load the car. Yeah, oh. and at this time they're, they're 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 together. It's Myra and Ian. They're coming together, mm-hmm. and so they load up the car. And at some point, they tell her, "Well, I'll give you a ride home." It's already getting late. She's like, "Okay, whatever." Save her from walking. She's right. ten years old, man. She doesn't know better. So instead of taking her home. They take her back to their place. So now this is a big change up, big, you know, shift in, shift in what their their itinerary, Crime scene. right? Right. So maybe I'll just wait to share what happens. But long story short, for her, I'll show. You, I'll tell you what happens later. So she's sexually assaulted and is also strangled in their own home. At this time, they're living together. Right. So, so yes, because Brady moves in with. Grandma. With Grandma and Myra. Okay. So Grandma has no idea what's going on. Okay? Okay. So 
I'll save the details because this one, this one's the kicker. So, yes, so they take her back to the, the house and they, they kill her. Okay. And so, at around this time, Myra's sister, his name is David Smith. Now he's kind of a douche in his own right because there's some things about him that I didn't really look into, but it looks like he's kind of a bad guy too. No, who? His name is David Smith, the sister's husband. So they got together, David and the sister, and her sister's name is Maureen. Right. And they get together. And okay. so they get super young. Because Myra still has a good relationship with her sister. You know, they come around often, do whatever. But they, they all live close by each other. What ends up happening is is that they actually have a kid together, but the kid ends up dying super young. Just from the own right. No no murder, no nothing. So David kind of goes in this dark, depressed kind of path. Starts drinking more, and he starts hanging out with Ian more. Ian kind of starts feeding him the same things that he fed to to Myra, but not like the same, not on the same scales like Nazis and stuff. But you know, they start hanging out, they start drinking more, and then he just he starts. Then he starts testing it more. So then he starts talking about fake robberies to kind of help him get out of debt, kind of start paying some more bills. But he's not really working because he's 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 down and out. So they start planning robberies again and stuff like that. Right. And Myra's there too, just kind of whispering in his ear. And so, and then he just starts getting even deeper and darker, talking about, you know, murders and stuff. He goes kind of crazy about these things. And then he, even at one point, he points a, a gun at David's face. Ian does. Ian, Brady. Okay. Brady points a gun at David. And, you know, this is how easy it is to kill a guy. And he pulls the fucking trigger. The gun's not loaded. Right. You know, but David's like, this guy's kind of weird, but, you know, it's kind of cool. This guy's kind of, you know, really making me think about things and stuff. So it, it, it really kind of, because he keeps coming over. He keeps doing it. Right. So he keeps following. And then he, he, at one point, Brady even, like, says, like, I've killed people and stuff like that. I've done this. Right. So. And David's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's, well, a, he's a rebel. He's a. Well, he's like, Okay. Okay, Mr. Murderer or whatever. Okay. He just kind of thinks he's a little on edge and stuff. Right. Not, not like actually meaning anything. Okay, okay. But. Big talker, big talker. Right, but you know, it's some it's something better than nothing, I guess, for comfort. I mean, you could go to your, your wife or girlfriend, whatever you want to call her this time, try to figure it out together, but it's whatever. Okay. So he's found a friendship in Myra and. David. David. Or no, Myra and Ian. Okay. Brady and Myra. Trying to are trying to kind of recruit David, but in the interview too, they even stated that they were kind of working out to kill him. But then, time, then they, because Myra didn't want him to be part of the killings, just in case he was whatever. She didn't really trust him. But like he saves her, he tries to save her dog at one instance. At the vets, it's a really weird story, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But it's whatever. But she's like, she she's like, all right, I'm on board with him becoming team murder. Okay. So, they're they're trying to recruit him. So, that same year. Sorry, that next year, October 65, they have this, this kid, he's 17 years old, he's the oldest one of the victims. They they invite Edward over, uh, allegedly they met him at a gay bar or whatever, but either way, they bring him back to the house, and then Myra calls David Smith over. So the guy they're trying to recruit. So he's hanging out there in a different room, drinking with Myra, and Edward and Ian Brady are... Doing whatever in the living room, mm-hmm. and then so the David Smith recalled because this is the downfall of the Moore couple. Okay, so 
while David's chilling, he just hears a high pitched scream, almost like a woman's, and he just hears yelling and screaming. And he runs to the room and he sees Brady standing over the guy with a hatchet. And he he must not be hitting with the blade part. And because so allegedly he says that David or Brady is now hitting him in the head the the left side of his face with the hatchet to the face. Straight up. Okay. And then he states that Brady goes and strangles him with an electric wire on the, in their own living room. Okay. And so this guy, and he just, I mean, he's petrified. He doesn't know this is actually happening. He's like, oh, shit, you fucking murder people. Like, for reals. For reals. You're okay. killing people. It became real, real. Right. And Myra the whole time was like, help him, David. Help him. And he's like, ah. <laughs> but he, he, he's like, he doesn't want to stop it because he's trying to save his own skin right now. Right. I mean, he, well, there's talk and then there's. <laughs> Action. David's like, I'm not following through with the action. Sounds right. Like. So David's like, holy shit, holy shit. But he, he, he actually plays it smart because he doesn't want to get killed himself. He allegedly smiles and just kind of goes with this. He's like, okay, uh, what do we do now? It's like, well, we get rid of the body. And so he's like, well, okay, I'll help you roll it up, clean it up, and we'll put it in the guest bedroom. And then tomorrow I'll come back and help you guys. So he does. He helps him roll up the body in some plastic covering and shove it into the guest bedroom. Where's Grandma? So that's the thing. So, yeah. So an investigation later on, the Grandma claims to not know anything. So she she heard the scream. So when she calls out, Myra just responds, oh, that was just me. I dropped something. And the Grandma's like, okay, whatever. I'm old. Oh done. my god. Babushka ain't shit. My <laughs> grandma be calling somebody and telling, you know, my father. Right, right, right. Shit ain't right here. Right. Whatever. She doesn't care. So not my pig, not my farm. That's okay. how it goes. <laughs> so they, they 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 hide the body in the, the guest bedroom and then David's like, Oh, that was so cool. I'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll go do we'll go take care of the body. Oh, okay, cool. So you know, Myra and you know, yeah. Ian are just sitting there all, you know, we just killed a guy, and we got a third musketeer. This is dope. So, but the, David goes home, tells the sister, like, hey, I don't know what I just saw, but this guy just got murdered, and it was your sister and your and your si- brother-in-law. So we need to call the cops. So that's what they do. They call the cops. So the cops show up the next day. The next day. Well, they show up. Okay. Um, so they show up and at first, you know, Ian and Myra are playing it cool. The cops are like, you know, we reported there was a you know, a murder happening here. They're like, What? No way. And then so but you know, David tells them all the details, so they look in the living room, no blood, everything's clean, and they're like so they're searching the house, like the guest bedroom's locked. So like, hey, where's the key to this room? She's like, oh, it doesn't work. We'll have to get a new one. And the cop's like, all right, well, let's go get a new one. She's like, oh, we'll do it on our own time. And then Brady's like, just open the door. <laughs> and then they see the body, and they arrest uh, uh, Brady on the spot. Okay. They don't arrest Myra on the spot, though. Bitch needs to fry. Okay. Right. So... So they arrest David, or sorry, not David, uh, um, uh, Brady, and so the investigation begins about the mur- this mur this murder, Edward's murder, Edward's murder, okay. Edward Evans' murder. The investigation begins for that one. 
Now Myra's trying to, then they both, the couple tries to say that David did it. David was the one who did. He came over to our house when we had a guest over, and then he just, just started killing him. And David's like, why would I do that? <laughs> so the cops don't see any, don't, don't, don't bite. They don't believe in these lies. And then after David's testimony even more, they try to, they tell Myra, they actually let Myra go and they say, well, you have to come back to the station the next day. Yeah, she doesn't do that. She just kind of just, just she disappears. Kind of, yeah. She, <laughs> but she's still like trying to save her, her, you know, her lover. She still shows up every now and then, but at this point now, Myra is part of the the crime. They know that the police know that she's part of it, right? So, so b- because they were so confident in David, the couple, they told him about certain things, you know, what they did and stuff. But he, he's he's like, "There's no way this is real anyway." So it's whatever. But now it's like all coming to was like, "Holy shit!" So what they, they told me was the truth, right? So they so they actually told him. That there's these luggage. He was kind of obsessed with travel. Uh, Brady was or uh-huh. the trains or something weird like that. So he actually had luggages, luggage bags. He actually hid like a train station and a, a warehouse. And he told him to David. And David was like, he he did this. He told me about that, but I don't know what's in them, which is true. So the cops investigate and they find the luggages. So when they open the luggages, they find the photo of her standing at the grave, and then they find the photos of Miss. Of Leslie Downey, so remember the ten year old little girl, right? So from the photographs, they had they stripped her, and they took pornographic pictures of her, oh. and they gagged her and stuff, and they just took you know really raunchy pictures of her. This little ten year old girl, that she was alive, right? While she was alive, so they you know, they made her pose and all these different things and positions and everything, and then there's even an audio log, like an audio device. Of, during the assault, right? Okay. So when they listen to the audio, it's, it's it, pretty obvious. It's well, it's obvious for one because you hear Brady's voice and you hear Myra's voice. They're telling her to shut up, or like, "What's your name?" or whatever. Just, just awful questions, mm-hmm. and you know, the girl's just crying about you know everything. I mean, she's oh, she's like, "You're girl. not gonna, you're not gonna touch me. You're not gonna do that to me." I don't want to take my clothes out. I don't like the details aren't precise because they actually are, are actually hid the details away and they won't, the, some of the evidence and photos won't be revealed till night till 2067 or something like that because uh, the family's still alive. That's probably best. Right. But to some Extent, degree, some of the information, some of the information is still leaked and stuff about what was on the video because what happens is when they finally go to court, they're now it's Myra and on trial. And so they actually play the audio log in the courtroom to the jury. It's 16 minutes long. Of well, they have to do that to what? some degree right. to verify their presence uh, at that moment of this poor girl's demise. Correct. Which is, yeah. So, But I mean, 16 minutes of terribleness, torture and screaming and crying and everything. So like the thing was, it was so loud. And like the fact that the house is not, Far away from neighbors, they interviewed the neighbors too. The neighbors are like, "Well, we thought that was like kids playing around and stuff. We didn't really mind any, any no, it's right not our business." Sounds like the Lululemon situation <clears throat> where the Apple employees heard the screaming of the woman being beaten to death and they did nothing. But okay, right. And so you know, and it, it's just shitty because they have to show all these pictures of this poor, poor girl. girl. 
naked and afraid, just straight up. So now they're on trial for uh, Edward Evans. They're on trial for Leslie Downey. And they're on trial for John Kilbride. Because what they do is with the picture that had the grave, they actually send another search party out to the moor and they actually take the picture. With the, everyone's like, everyone look for these significant things about this picture trying to find the right angle. And they do. So they find the grave of John Criddle, or Kilbride, sorry. So now that's the murder of John Kilbride, the murder of Edward Evans, and which one? Leslie Dowdy. They, they charge Ian Brady with all three counts of killing, so three life sentences, and they charge Meyer with two life charges and one, and one charge of seven years of ass- assisting with the murder. I forget which one she, they, could, they couldn't tie her to one of the killings. I think it was, uh, I think it was Edward Evans because she technically didn't do anything, but she knew about it. Well, oh, the the kid from the gay bar. Okay, okay. Right. So because she took the picture with the shallow grave. Well, I think it was his actually. I think it was John uh, Kilbride's. One of those kids. Okay. She wasn't. She they couldn't they couldn't pin anything on her. Like she was there because she knew it was there, but she didn't say nothing. So she got it for that. Either way, she's in life. Two two life charges and a seven-year sentence for her. Three plus, life charges for him. Plus seven years. Okay, okay. So now, that's three of the five victims. And they don't say anything else. They don't question. I mean, David doesn't know about the other two deaths. It just He just knew about the suitcases and stuff. He didn't know what the details were. I mean, he heard they were murderers, but he didn't think you know they were serious or something. And they don't say anything. So 20 years go by. 20 years. And so Ian hears, while he's in prison, he hears that Myra's going to do an interview and talk more about the killings as a way, right, but like a way for her to get out. Because she now she starts claiming that she was brainwashed and she was forced to do the things she did and everything else. So then she, but she's trying to get out, but she has a better chance to get out than he does because he straight up takes it. Right, he, he did. He 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 wears the child murderer. Thing. Well, he, well, he he did the. She helped. Right, he she did. She knew it was going to happen. She did nothing to stop it. So she's a killer herself in that retrospect. But he committed. He committed the actual acts. Right, so he he's the one who raped, and, uh, four out of the five kids here. Yeah, and did the killings. But he you know, he's wearing that now. He's he's accepted that. Whatever, I'm that guy. Well, sort of. He only cops up to three. Right. So we hears he hears a rumor or something happens to where he finds out that Myra's gonna talk about something. So he comes clean first and says it. So everything he and he confesses the other two murders. He confesses Pauline 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 Reeds and uh 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 Keith Bennett's. So everything she has to say now is null and void. Right. He tells them I killed them. I raped him. She was there too. And Let's so. Let's do this again. Do they go back to trial? They no. should. Uh, no. I don't believe they do. I mean, I'm assuming they would. I don't, I guess I didn't look that part up. I mean, total justice for the families here. Right. But he's already in life sentence. And actually, the shitty part is, is that a year after they were convicted, uh, England passed a law. Abolishing the 
death penalty. So they were going to be on back in trial trying to get the death penalty, but they abolished the death penalty the year after. They're they're children killers. Rapists. Right. Rapists, molesters, photo. They took pictures of audio, a literal audio of. That poor girl. Yeah. Well, it doesn't stop there. So the bodies still haven't been found, though. And the, it's a cold case because they can't find where the bodies are. And they weren't saying nothing. And then Myra even gets a letter from Keith Bennett's mom, one of the kids whose bodies still haven't been found, you know, basically begging. You know, just, I'm probably the last person you would expect to get a letter from. But I need to know where my child is. I'm a simple mother. I work hard. All I want to know is where my child is so I can give him the burial he wanted. So she gets that, and then the police come after, come to her while she's in prison or whatever, and they ask her, hey, can you help us locate the other two bodies? And she doesn't find them. She says, yeah. To their surprise, they're surprised by it because it's you know it's not normal that they would do that. She didn't try to use it as leverage? Right. She just she's still to... a stupid cunt bitch. Right. So she, uh, she claims that she can't, when they try to ask her where the bodies are, she says she couldn't explain it from... In prison, so she's like, well, "You have to let me out. You have to, you have to take me with you, so I can show you." So, the police are kind of iffy at the moment, but they don't really have another choice. So they, they reluctantly help. They have, they have her come with them to find the body, or, and the public's just pissed. I mean, the public no. I mean, all of England considers this like the worst. Well, it duo, is right. This is the worst duo of their, whatever. They know, everyone knows about them. So, they were, the public was pretty pissed that it, the cops were allowed this to happen, but they need to find out. So, when they, they let her out to come with them, um, she she helps them pinpoint Pauline Reed's grave, the first victim. Mm-hmm. But, to some reason, they couldn't find, they couldn't find Bennett's body. So, they should help them find one body. So maybe she was trying to keep leverage still because, you know, after they found the body, Polly Reed gets a burial still, but... So it's 2021. Have they found him by now? No. Keith Bennett's body was never found. So, like... Even with the technology today? Right? I'm sure that... Well, I don't know if they're still looking for it. As far as I know, they they probably just kind of gave up on it. By now, the body would have been eroded and probably gone by now. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, that is so sad. So, yes, yeah, so, but so then Ian tries doing the same thing. He's like, oh, let me out. I'll help find the body. And then he goes to the moor, and he's, like, walking around, kind of doing whatever. So they let him out for that one, too. So they're like, oh, one of them found the body. They're going to find the other body. And then he just kind of, oh, I don't really remember. But he's, now he's about he's back outside, kind of taking it in. What a goddamn degenerate. Yeah. So she dies in, like, 2002 of, like, pneumonia or something. In jail. In jail. She was, like, s- she was like 60-something? No. Good. She was older than that. Yeah, either way, she died, and then he died. 2017, that dude died. That was four years ago. Four years ago. May 15th, almost four years. Yeah. He was born in 1938, died in 2017. That fucker lasted a long time. You know, in our prison systems in America, they find out you're a child murderer or a child rapist. They, uh, I don't think they let you live that long. Well, okay. <laughs> God damn. Um, uh... We're gonna. You wanted this. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't know anything about the I Moore's. Mur- yeah, it's called the Moore's murder. The Moore's murder. Okay, Sue. Ian Brady, Myra Hedley. Hedley. 
Well, at mm, least England kept them in jail for the rest of their fucking lives. Well, until they left them out to go find stuff. For what, a day? Still. They got to bury one of the children. It's a shame. It's a shame about the little boy Bennett. Yeah, Keith Bennett. Uh, Bennett, Scott. That's All right. Moving on to some uh, podcast business. Podcast business. So, initially, we were going to pool the the winner of the crime scene giveaway. But my printer was not being very uh, cooperative, so I'm going to extend it a week so that I can get some new ink and print out a couple more entries, uh, the last few entries, and we'll pull next week. So with that in mind, you have one more week to put your entry in, and all you need to do is send me an email at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. And in your little entry, just in your in, in your email, just simply say, my favorite episode of your podcast is blah, 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 X, 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 and then send it my way. I also have a Facebook page. Working on other pages. <laughs> right. Extending to Instagram, maybe Twitter, maybe even Snapchat. Why not? Well. Why not? It's not hard. This I understand. I hear that. I don't. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> And I think that's it in terms of business. Yeah. However, if you have a specific tourist attraction in mind or a specific place in mind that you'd like to hear more about their dark corners, just send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. (laughs) 